Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Arike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. We've been doing this since January 10th, 1994. We're still going strong here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Although, had I told you, in January of 1994 that we're streaming live at WSBTRadio.com and the WSBT Radio app. You would have looked at me very, very strange. No Twitch app today. Hopefully that'll be back here in a couple of days as we're dealing with a little technical difficulty, but I'm ready to roll tonight. Let's talk some sports with you here on WSBT Radio. Full two-hour program tonight. We're on the air until 7 o'clock here on WSBT Radio. Eight minutes after five o'clock, the sun is already setting here in South Bend on this election day, no matter who you support. Hopefully you had a chance to go out and vote today. And if you're listening to us live, you still have a little opportunity left to get to your favorite polling place. If you're listening on the podcast, well, then you might be out of luck, but it's a great day. And we are looking forward to talking plenty of Notre Dame football, still enjoying that victory over Clemson. I'm sure you, as an Irish fan, still are basking in the glow of that 35-14 Irish win over Clemson Saturday night. Didn't really spend a lot of time on this today. Just spent maybe three minutes looking at some of the people who spend their time, believe it or not, trying to figure out the bowl possibilities every week. And obviously, they change from week to week, depending on the outcome of all the games. And I'm looking at some of the possibilities. For me in the postseason, I'm more about the enjoyment factor of the bowl game. 
I've said this for years, and again, I could be dead wrong. You may disagree. Maybe you agree. But bowl games are just glorified exhibitions unless you're in the playoff. And now with so many players exiting stage right before bowl games, like, for example, Kyron Williams did last year before the Irish faced Oklahoma State in one of the higher-end bowl games that are not in that playoff caliber, of course. But Kyron Williams got ready for the NFL draft. A lot of players do that. Wouldn't be surprised if there are a couple of Irish players that go down that road as well. And you know what? I can't blame them because they are glorified exhibitions. Whether they win or lose, it doesn't carry over into next year, in my opinion. The Irish didn't start 0-2 because they lost to Oklahoma State last year in the Fiesta Bowl. So I just look for the enjoyment factor. I don't worry about, is this a team we can beat? Some people try to say, well, I'd rather play a great team to evaluate where the program is rather than playing someone you know you're going to beat. See, I'm not really in either category. I just want to enjoy another football game with the Irish playing. And just looking at some of the matchups, I don't know if really anything dazzled me today. Maybe it dazzles you. I've seen Notre Dame and Utah in the Holiday Bowl. Gator Bowl against Florida. The name recognition is there with the Gators. The Irish haven't played them in a while. Maybe the last time is when Jerome Bettis was suiting up for the Irish. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe I'm missing a game. That's okay, but Florida's just kind of stumbling along in Billy Napier's first year. Notre Dame and Kentucky. I guess that's a little bit interesting. It's an SEC team. But then you think about Will Levis the quarterback for Kentucky, you know, this is an extremely talented guy, 6'3", 231, putting up some, you know, pretty good numbers this year as I bring up his numbers, 16 touchdown passes thrown for 1,900 yards, and he is completing 68% of his passes, but that's a guy that probably won't play in their bowl game. He's a senior, considered one of the top five or six quarterbacks in the NFL draft. Someone, was it Mel Kuyper, I think had Levis third? I can't remember if he was ahead of Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. I think it was Young. Levis was ahead of him. So Kentucky, Notre Dame, with Levis playing is interesting, but if he doesn't play, then it loses some of its steam. So none of those games have really been like, wow, I can't wait for that matchup, although – From a media standpoint, if I could pick one, one of the prognostications was Notre Dame, Mississippi State, and a month of Mike Leach talking about football and life would be rather entertaining. So I think maybe sign me up for that one. Notre Dame would run all over Mississippi State. I think the Irish would win that game handily. But from an entertainment standpoint of following press conferences and getting Mike Leach's takes on Halloween candy and he's got a belief that all people should elope and not get married. He's offered money to his daughters that they can just go elope rather than having a a wedding. He's an interesting bird. Last week, I don't know if you saw the video at Auburn, he got some mad at his wide receivers. He personally went and took their folding chairs and folded them up and put them on the ground because they didn't deserve to sit down. (laughs) That's why If I can't have an exciting game, give me a coach like Leach for a month and we'll have some fun listening to him talk about 
everything that's happening in life with this football team and the Fighting Irish. All right, 513 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Parks Frazier is the new play caller on offense for the Indianapolis Colts. He started with the Colts in 2018 as Frank Reich's personal assistant. He moved up to passing game specialist. Now he's going to call plays in the NFL on Saturday. What in the world is going on? It is so unfortunate that NFL Films, HBO, don't have the Colts as their in-season hard knocks team. They had them last year. Imagine if it was this year with all the stuff going on, Ursay pulling all these moves, firing Frank Reich, bringing in a guy who had only coached high school football, and now you've got a guy that I think most Colts fans have never heard of, Parks Frazier, calling the offensive plays on Saturday. That would have been a heck of a hard knocks. We get Arizona this year, but if this was Indianapolis, that would be absolute must-see TV in 2022. And we have the Colts and Raiders on our sister station. 96 won the ton Saturday, or I should say Sunday, at 4.05. All right, let's talk some Irish football. 514 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Let's give you the updated Fighting Irish offensive numbers in the national rankings first. And let's see if the numbers change dramatically after beating Clemson 35-14. The scoring average for Notre Dame is now at 29.1 points per game, 69th in the country, up one spot. Total offense, which is yardage per game. The Irish at 379.1. They are now 81st in the country. And the Fighting Irish down four spots from last week's national rankings. Rushing offense. Boy, oh boy, it's this number changed since the start of the year. The Notre Dame rushing offense is now at 195.1 yards per game, up seven spots from last week to number 28. Over the last three games since losing to Stanford, the Irish are averaging 200 and 44 yards per game. Pass efficiency offense after BYU is 40. Going into last week's game against Clemson, it was 69. Entering the matchup this week against Navy, Notre Dame's pass efficiency offense down four more spots to 73. Red zone offense. 85.7%, 85.7%, 53rd in the country. They're now 30 of 35, went 3 for 3 last weekend. The red zone offensive efficiency moved up 15 spots. And third down offense, which is converting third downs into first downs, the Irish at 42.7% of the season, 45th in the country, up three spots after the Clemson game. And in the game against Clemson, the Irish were 6 of 12 on third down. How about third and 10, third and 12, the Irish run the football and pick up first downs. Notre Dame in the ball game 
when they threw the ball, trying to pick up a first down on third down, went 0 of 6. Now they completed a pass. It did not pick up the first down, so the passing game did not pick up a third down conversion in the ball game, while the offense with the running game were able to get the job done on third and 10 and third and 12. That kind of tells you where we are at this time. And right now it's a winning formula. Drew Pine in the ball game against Clemson. Well, once again, the offensive line bulldozed the opposition, allowing Diggs and Estime and Tyree and Pine to run wild. 47 rushing attempts for 263. That meant Drew Pine only had to throw the football 17 times. He was 9 of 17 for 85 yards. A touchdown and a pick. There's no way in the world before the game you give me 85 passing yards the Irish win. Because it felt like Clemson was going to do whatever it took to try to stop the running game. And you know what? They probably did, and it didn't work. And the Irish didn't have to throw the football that well. Remarkable. So now, over the last four games... Drew Pine is 45 for 91, 49.4% completion percentage. Now, offensive coordinator and quarterback coach Tommy Reese pushed back on accuracy questions in his Tuesday session with the media. We'll see what he says tonight. But right now, Pine, last four games at 49.4%. In those four games, he has thrown for 557 yards. You break that down, that's 139 yards passing per game. Five touchdowns, two interceptions. Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman was asked, did Drew Pine make any progress in that victory over the Clemson Tigers? Offensive player of the game was Drew Pine. Defensive player of the game was Ben Morrison, and we had two special teams player of the game. That was Jordan Botello, who blocked the punt, and Prince Kali, who scored the touchdown. And so those were the players of the game. And, and as far as Drew, um, you know, the ability to run the offense, I think we had zero pre-snap penalties, which is, I mean, to control, it's not easy to sit in that huddle, look at the play clock and say, okay, we're going to break at this moment or get down there in time enough to do your motions and shifts and the ability for him to control that offense. And then we only had one three and out, you know, offensively, which is huge. The ability to extend drive. I don't care if we end up punting, but to, to control the play clock, control the game clock and extend drives um, was huge. And he, I think he had over, about 100 yards in terms of, you know, running, throwing the ball. Um, was really efficient, two touchdowns. And so he did a really good job um, in what he was asked to do. You know, the challenge for him is is, this is, I don't know how many games in a row that we continue to get a couple balls batted. And so, you know, I hear Coach Reese saying all the time, step up, man, you have to find those open spaces. You know, you're not 6'4", you know, but God is fair, we say, right? He's got some other gifts. And, you know, he's got to be able to step into those open windows to deliver a ball. And, um, you know, but he has continued to run the offense uh, the way we need it. I'll tell you what, if I'm a player, that's the head coach I want because I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Marcus, it sure doesn't seem like is ever going to go down the road that Brian Kelly did so many times using the media 
to send a message to a player. Sometimes you can only say something to a player so many times, and if it doesn't get through, you can kind of mention something in a press conference, and that gets back to the player, and sometimes that can make a difference. And Marcus was extremely positive in his comments, and good for him for covering for his quarterback's not the right word. He's not doing that, but he's taking the situation and trying to turn it into something as positive as possible. I have a burnt hand. When I was 18 months old, an iron was plugged in on an ironing table, and somehow... I bumped the table and the iron red hot landed on my hand. So one of my fingers is burnt. Marcus did such a good job of talking about Drew Pine right there. He could make me a hand model with my burnt hand. I mean, that was terrific. In all seriousness, for Marcus to find a way to talk about some of the positives, let's face it. Todd Bowles is the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and with the Buccaneer offense struggling right now, he's not going to step up to the podium and say, you know what, Tom Brady ran the offense really well. We didn't have any pre-snap penalties. He handled the ball off beautifully. I give credit to Marcus. He's trying to take some heat off Drew Pine and the passing game, which has struggled well below college standards the last four weeks. That's what a good coach does. But at this particular moment, with the way the Irish are running the football, (laughs) I mean, you don't even need to throw it that much. It's remarkable. Normally, when teams make themselves one-dimensional, the other team can take away that positive, but the opposition can't. Clemson got their butt whooped up front, physically whooped by Notre Dame. And they did it without the threat of a passing game. That tells you what Harry Heath's standing that offensive line is doing right now. Tight ends, wide receivers blocking too. Don't want to leave them out, but it's those big boys up front enjoying playing big boy football. I guarantee if you asked any of those guys, what do you think about 20 straight running plays? They would be salivating. There would be like saliva running down their face in excitement knowing they get to put their chin into somebody's chest. That's what they love to do. Pass protection just wasting a little time before the next run play for an offensive line. So the passing game is what it is. It's not magically going to get better. Not until the Irish bring in another quarterback next year or Tyler Buckner develops or Drew Pine takes a massive leap in the next few weeks in the offseason. It's probably going to take 2023 for this to get to where you as an Irish fan want it to be. And let's be honest, around these parts, it's about winning a national championship. And it's hard to win a national championship left-handed. As good as the running game is, championship level. As good as the defense is, I think at times it is definitely championship level. Special teams is all-worldly championship level. But there's one part that just needs to pick up the pace when you think about big picture for 2023 and that probably doesn't get fixed hopefully 
sooner rather than later, but next year seems the most logical. But let's talk about that run game. And now Notre Dame's ability, when the opposition knows they're going to run, they can still run it, and that is the sign of excellence, including in short yardage situations. Yeah, I think each week, Coach Reese and the office staff does a great job of presenting new ways for situational football. Part of that is short yardage, right? And the Mitchell Evans plan um, that they came up with, and Coach Reese did a great job with that. You know, we had a plan, uh, a different plan to use that Mitch Evans package this week. We didn't end up getting to it. Um, but each week, you have to find a new wrinkle. Um, you know, I challenge them this week to be simplistic, but also you can't be so bland that there's no level of confusion. So part of that, you, you, they, they controlled the tempo of the game at a, such a high level. The way Coach Reese called it, Drew Pine stayed in the huddle, and the ability at times of staying in the huddle, break out of the huddle with a certain amount of seconds on the play clock, those things matter. Now, we might run the same play that we've ran how many different times. We might motion and shift and run the same play. But there's different ways to mask the same play, right, that it doesn't look the, the exact same to a defense. So I thought Coach Reese and that offensive staff did an unbelievable job at truly controlling the tempo of the game um, and being creative. Uh, and so, but at the end of the day, it's still going to come back to doing what you do well. That's the other part of the answering that question is, you know what, we have to do what we do. We might mask it, right? We might use some different ways to mask exactly what we're doing, but we got to do what we do well. And, and some of those inside zones, we call them duo punch plays, um, you know, that we run, we've done a really good job, and they're getting better. Our backs are really getting better. Our offensive line, yes, they're blocking at a high level. They're doing a great job. But if you really watch the way how patient our backs are and how much our backs trust that that hole is going to open. I mean, there's times there's not a hole. And then at the last second, there's a, a small window. Those backs hit it, and they trust it. And Coach McCullough's doing a great job in getting those guys to trust their tracks, trust the reads. But that's faith in what we're doing, right? And sometimes to hit a hole that's not there is, is a lot of faith in what we're doing. And all of a sudden, that last second, that small gap opens up, and they hit it. That turns into a 5-7, 12-yard gain. And so only way to do that is to continue to do the things you do really well. Right? The only way to have trust is continue to do those same type of plays um, and just continue to get better at it. Marcus Freeman talking about short yardage and specialty situations. And that's a really good talking point right there, disguising the same plays. Just as a Denver Bronco fan back in 1999, I guess it was, Terrell Davis, the Irish running back, ran for 2,000 yards. And listening to stories about that season that ended in beating the Falcons in the Super Bowl, Mike Shanahan's running game that year had five running plays. Five. But they used different formations to make everything look different. But you had a 2,000-yard rusher with five different running plays. Sometimes they were in two tight ends, three wide receivers. You got to mask some of these plays to make it look different, but it still allows you to go to your strengths. That's pretty good when you have five running plays. The off or the defense knows 
that's all you're going to see, and you can still for rush for 2,000 yards? Well, when you have the greatest quarterback in history, John Elway, of course, as your quarterback, that's going to open up the running game, right? <laughs> yeah, Tom Brady guy probably is the goat of all goats at this particular time. How about going over 100,000 passing yards in his regular season and postseason career on Sunday against the Rams? No one's ever going to get to that again, right? We're never going to see that again. Never, ever, ever, ever. Hard to imagine. With all the money you make, who wants to play until you're 45? Tom Brady's the only one so far. All right, it is 530 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. By the way, Navy, statistically, is the best run defense the Irish will face this year. Navy giving up 88 rushing yards per game. Seventh in the country. I have a feeling that number's probably going to get dented a little bit. They're not facing SMU, Houston, Delaware. This Irish run game is rolling. So I have a feeling when we look at the top 10 next week, Navy might fall out of the top 10 and maybe the top 20 after all is said and done. Irish have to come to play. They just can't roll the ball out there. This is a mental spot. Huge win over Clemson. Just playing old Navy in Baltimore. Are you locked in, ready to go in the opening quarter? 5.31 is our time. We'll talk Notre Dame football recruiting with Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated coming up right around 6.15. On the topic list tonight, kind of the who's who of recruits that Notre Dame fans like to talk about. We're going to talk about Peyton Bowen, Drake Bowen, Dixon Edwards, Jaden Greathouse, and who else might pop up in the conversation? Hope you'll stick around and find out. When we get to the 6 o'clock hour, we'll talk some recruiting with Mike Singer on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960. WSBT. Twenty-four minutes in front of six o'clock. I'm Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to the program. Our Twitter question of the day is a question that I post during the week on my Twitter account at nine six zero Sportsbeat. Of course, we ask it here on the program as well, directing you to my Twitter account. And then we talk about the results the following day. So here's what we had on yesterday's program. Pretty simple. The Irish knocked off Clemson by three touchdowns on Saturday. And now Notre Dame has won six of seven. And their record stands at six and three. On the schedule versus Navy in Baltimore. Home against Boston College and at USC. So based on your thoughts on those final three games, what is your prediction now for the Notre Dame regular season final record? Very easy. Twitter gives you four choices. There are four choices. They go 0-3 and end 6-6. One and two in their final three gives them a final record of seven and five. Two and one puts them at eight and four. How about three and oh? 
they would finish 9-3. Here are the results of yesterday's question. Not one single fan said the Irish would finish 6-6. If someone would have voted that, they would have been a Michigan fan or someone that didn't like Notre Dame because that's not possible. Very minimal support for 7-5, 1.5% of the vote. So how do you get to 1-2 in the last three? That person believes they're going to lose to USC. And I would assume they would think they would lose to Navy because Phil Dracovic is hurt right now for BC. I'm not sure if he's going to be ready for this week or not. Their offensive line is bad, and they can't stop the run. Ding. Yeah, that's a good sign for Notre Dame. So you're not losing to BC at home. So I guess that person believes they're going to go to Baltimore and lose after an emotional win and then lose to USC. Don't see it, but 1.5% said 7-5. and five. Eight and four got 43.3% of the vote, I'm assuming. You're saying wins over Navy and BC and a loss at the Coliseum to USC. But confidence is booming with Marcus Freeman's team because winning the vote at 55.2%, the Irish are going to run the table and finish 9-3. and three. You beat Clemson, and a lot of people, I think, have jumped to the other side that this team now has a chance to beat USC. I was thinking about this today. At the start of the season, I picked Notre Dame to go 9-3. And And if they go 9-3, I don't feel like I deserve credit. Why? Because their path to 9-3 is nowhere near to how I thought they would get to 9-3. It's easy to take credit. Yeah, I had them 9-3, but I didn't have them losing to Marshall. I sure the heck did not have them losing to Stanford. But somehow, someway, they could get to 9-3. and three. Man, that's why you play it on the field and not on a piece of paper. But who knows? 9-3 and three might accidentally work out. Hey, thanks for voting on that. Greatly appreciate it. Here is today's question that was posted earlier today. Now, there's a little bit of fantasy in this question because you don't know what happens if the first part of this question ends differently or how things play out in the long run. You'll see what I mean in a second. So you had to kind of play along with the theme of the question. All right, here it was. This is available right now on Twitter at 960 Sportspeed. So the Fighting Irish tried to get a commitment from one of the top high school players in the 21 class running back, Will Shipley. The Irish did everything they could to try to get his services. In May of 2020, he picked Clemson. So one of the best high school running backs, the Irish couldn't get him, he went to Clemson. So, since Shipley did not pick the Irish, seven months later, Notre Dame, in December of 2020, got a commitment from Audric Estime. If I remember right, he flipped 
and then a couple of days later, picked Brian Kelly and the Fighting Irish. And then in February of 2021, Logan Diggs almost went to LSU, but picked Notre Dame. So instead of getting Will Shipley, you got Audric Estime and Logan Diggs. Now, this is the part where, I mean, it's a little fantasy. Who knows if Notre Dame gets Shipley, maybe they still get one of these two. So that's why I said you have to kind of play along with the theme of this question. So here is basically, after all that, the question. Who would you rather have? Choice number one, Will Shipley. Or choice number two, Audric Estime and Logan Diggs. You can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEEP. So who knows? It could have been Shipley and Diggs, Shipley and Estime, but for the sake of our argument, I think you know where I'm going with this. You love Estime, you love Diggs. Shipley still one of the best running backs in the country. Who would you rather have? We'll see how it plays out. I think I know how it'll play out, but that's why we asked the question. Hope you'll check out my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat to answer our question. It's election day. Do a little more voting. We would appreciate it. Former Notre Dame outfielder, A.J. Pollock, according to ESPN's Buster Olney, has decided not to return to the Chicago White Sox. The White Sox got Pollock last offseason from the L.A. Dodgers for Craig Kimbrell. Pollock has declined his $13 million player option with the White Sox. Instead, he'll take a $5 million buyout and head back to free agency. So Pollock will find a new team, and the White Sox might be on the lookout to adding another outfielder to their unit for 2023. Aloy Jimenez, Luis Robert. Be nice to add another good quality bat to their lineup. Would love to see someone from the left side. We'll see how it plays out. But A.J. Pollock will have a new home in 2023. 544 is our time. Coming up in a couple of moments, we'll talk about the great Saturday night that freshman corner Benjamin Morrison had against Clemson. You'll hear from Marcus Freeman talking about Morrison, and we'll play back a portion of Morrison's press conference with the media following Saturday's win and his two-pick performance. We're talking Fighting Irish football on your home of Notre Dame Navy on Saturday. Noon kickoff on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Second down eight from his own nine yard line. He's standing on his four, fakes the handoff, rolls to his left in trouble, floats the ball to the middle, intercepted! Ball picked off on the 15 yard line! Intercepted by Benjamin Morrison. Under the lay, two wideouts to his right, two to his left. Notre Dame rushes four. He looks, throws to the right side. Intercepted at the five. 10, 15, 20, far sideline. Oh, with a chance to go. 40-yard line, 30. He will score. 10, 5, touchdown, Benjamin Morrison. 95 yards out. What an amazing evening for the corner 
of the Fighting Irish. Paul Burmeister on the call on the Notre Dame radio network. You put the victory march under everything. It just takes the whole thing up six or seven levels. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Darren Pritchett with you on this Tuesday evening. Don't forget we have the Marcus Freeman Radio Show. Thursday night at 7 o'clock. More on the win over Clemson from the head coach of the Fighting Irish. And a look ahead to the game against the midshipmen from the United States Naval Academy in Baltimore. Saturday noon kickoff here on Sports Radio 960. WSBT. Benjamin Morrison, the freshman, had seven tackles against Clemson. Those two interceptions that you just heard from the Notre Dame radio network, including the pick six, as Morrison took it to the house from 96 yards out. And with 12.58 to go in the fourth quarter, Notre Dame had built a 28-0 lead on number four Clemson. Morrison now for the season. He is seventh on the team in tackles. With 23, he now has two interceptions and three pass breakups. You go back to the recruiting process, his on-three profile, they had him listed as the 36th best cornerback in the class of 2022. Regardless of position, he was player number 342 overall. And a pretty good list of teams tried to get Morrison to their school, including Oklahoma, Penn State, Oregon, Michigan, and Alabama. The old Tide could use Morrison against Tennessee a a couple of weeks ago, even in their most recent game against Brian Kelly and LSU. But, boy, the Irish happy to have this young man on their football team, and he put on a show on Saturday. Hey, teams went after him a little bit. He's the young guy. He was up to the challenge in this ballgame. Marcus Freeman, after the win over Clemson, was asked about the play of Morrison against the Tigers. He's a tough, just a mentally tough kid. You know, he got a P.I. called against him, then comes back and gets an interception, got a ball caught on him, then comes back and gets a pick six. You know, credit to his his parents. I mean, he has a special set of parents, dad that played in the NFL for a while, but also he's a minister and, um, you know, I think – helps him spiritually and helps him mentally um, stay in the right mind frame. And his mother is just an unbelievable woman that has raised a couple gymnasts. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, to me, a, a reflection of his upbringing. But he's an ultimate competitor that doesn't get shaken. And, and, you know, it's really uncommon for a freshman to be like that. Playing a tough position. Cornerback is not easy. you got to have that memory that you forget the last play if it doesn't go well. And when you're a young guy, you got to prove yourself. They're going to pick on you until you start fighting back. And boy, oh boy, he fought back for sure in this game with a couple of not only body blows, but that knockout punch on the 96-yard interception return for a touchdown. A 14-point swing in that ballgame. Maybe Clemson scores, and it's 21-7, and there's still some game on at Notre Dame Stadium. That was it. Throw in the towel. It was 28-0 at that point on route, or in route, I should say, to a 35-14 victory. Marcus Freeman this week said he's turning into a complete cornerback. You have to go beyond just the interceptions to really fully understand how well he's playing the position. Yeah, part of tackling is confidence, right? And, and it's, it's two things I talk to him all the time about being great. Great tacklers are confident and great tacklers are aggressive. 
you know, the first tackle Ben made on 84, it wasn't a tackle. He almost got ran over by 84. And I told Coach Mickens, yeah, tell Ben, I know he's confident and he's aggressive, but you better go low on that big dude, you know. And, and the next opportunity he had, he went a little bit lower, probably not as low as I want him to go, you know. And he's got to understand there's, there's weight classes to this thing. You know, if you got somebody that's outside your weight class, you better go low. Um, but he's confident and he's aggressive, you know, and, and that's what makes him such a, a, a really good player. But if you want to stop the perimeter running game, you've got to be able to close space, you know, and, and not wait, wait, wait. You see a lot of missed tackles or tackles that end up giving the offense a lot of yards is because the defensive guy does not close the space to the ball carrier. But that takes confidence to do that. Marcus Freeman talking about Benjamin Morrison, his freshman corner. After the ball game on Saturday, the Irish media had the chance to talk to one of the stars of the win over Clemson, Benjamin Morrison. Benjamin, the first pick following the receiver across the field, is that? did you, did you see that cutoff? Did you see stepping in front of him coming, or was it Justin really forcing Klubnik to his to his back foot? Um, no, personally, um, I've been uh, taught here, uh, whenever you're in that situation, I always under, undercut everything, um, knowing I got help over the top. So once I undercut it, um, I knew if he threw it, then he would have to pay for it. Um, so I was just... I was just I was praying he was throwing it um, because the receiver got me off the line. I knew I had to use my speed to catch up. Um, once I was in the position I was, I undercut it, and there there was the ball. The second one is it something where did it hang? Did you did you see that? It looked from the press box. It looked like you could see it. Able to see yeah, it. so that one was kind of cool because um, uh, I've been struggling with that position all year long. Um, back shoulder fade, back shoulder fade, just getting my eyes back. Um, so today I was really just focused on the details, and once I had him in the position I wanted to. I could have just played through the man and just PBU um, by trusting in my abilities and flipped my head around there, there the ball was. So, yeah. Benjamin, what, uh, how soon in that interception return did you know you had a chance to score? Um, honestly, I didn't even, I didn't even, I just ran. <laughs> I don't even, I was just running. And then once I hit the end zone, I knew I scored. So, yeah. And then how much, did the punt block giving you guys a seven nothing lead? How much did that sort of ignite the defense and say, okay, we got this? Oh, huge! I mean, our punt block team has been crazy all year long. Um, so just being able to feed off of them, and then when you get a stop, and then you can just go down there and just kind of take, kind of take the momentum away from them um, with a huge block. It's it's huge momentum shift, and we just ran with that all game long. This might be hard to do, but go back before the interceptions. You were already breaking up a few passes and nodding your head on that field, looking borderline cocky, certainly confident. Mm -hmm. When today did that really come into your your mentality? Um, personally, it, I don't know. I I wouldn't say cocky. I would say very confident, just because I know the player I can be and who God has called me to be. Um, so all week I knew that what type of game this was, and I knew they were going to test me off the previous games on um, where I've shown on film. So I knew I had to kind of just really lock in and hone in on what I wanted to accomplish. Um, so I would I would just say from Monday's first or Sunday's first practice up until Tuesday, Wednesday, leading on, I just kept building up into uh, my confidence, um, doing things in practice. I, I mean, I saw those formations throughout practice, Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays, Fridays, and even this morning throughout our shakeout. Um, so I think like the confidence came through the preparation. Um, so once I was able to see things, then I really knew I was pretty, I was pretty locked in. And then once they started testing me um, and things started going my way, I just felt good. So I just kept going. Quarterbacks are supposed to have a short memory, uh -huh. but it sounds like you were using those, those past thoughts, not as motivation, but as focus, knowing it was more was going to come your way. No, hundred percent. Because um, last week um, I tried to stay off the internet and everything. Um, but Syracuse game, I was tested a lot. 
Um, I knew I didn't perform the level I wanted to perform at. Um, so I knew what I wanted to accomplish. I knew I've, I've set goals for myself. Um, so I, I, I put my, I don't know, I hold myself to high standard almost. Um, so I knew that I had to kind of step up. So I don't really care about like the media or any of that. It was more so for me and knowing that I wasn't playing to the level I knew I could play. Um, so I, this was a great opportunity tonight in front of all the fans, home game against the number four team ranked in our four team in the country. So that was pretty cool. Benjamin, having a night like this, you're obviously a young guy. What what does this mean to you? What does it mean to the team? Um, it means everything just because, like, I prayed for moments like this, dreaming moments like this. Um, so for it to actually come into um, full circle, it's just it's a cool feeling, um, awesome feeling, grateful, um, blessed. So my team gets all the credit. I mean, front the front is crazy. Uh, they allow all the pressure. So when you come to school with a good D-line, that forces some interceptions and what's happened tonight. There you go, Benjamin Morrison coming off that great performance against Clemson. The mindset a little different for cornerbacks this week, facing the option attack of the United States Naval Academy, something Marcus Freeman talked about in a previous soundbite. This young man's ability to be physical and to tackle, tackling very important coming up on Saturday against the midshipmen. 5.59 is our time. Darren Pritchett with you on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Coming up, the My Five. Five things to know about Saturday's opponent, the Clemson Tigers. Also, Mike Singer talking Notre Dame football recruiting. A wild weekend at Notre Dame Stadium. The game was great, and the recruits had a good time. We'll recap all of that with Mike in just a little bit, right here on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. I'm catching on the hosel, right? Yeah, right, right. Moving my head. Yeah. Clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My swing feels like an unfolding lawn chair. The crowd is just on its feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Tears in his eyes, I guess. Four, please. Darren Pritchett is now broadcasting. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 610 at WSBT. Sports Beat being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area is now open for carryouts. Barnaby's, the family inn. By Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation granting a better future. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings. Have happy endings by South Bend Orthopedics. Team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By Tim Growl State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. And by Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, on this Tuesday, 
We bring forth five things that you need to know about Saturday's opponent, the midshipman from the United States Naval Academy. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. I mean, this should be actually number five all by itself because it's a time-honored tradition during Navy Week we bring back, without a doubt, the most important quote ever given by a Notre Dame player or coach about facing the United States Naval Academy. One former head coach, Robert Davey, when things weren't going well, when the ship was taking on water and the midshipmen were a lot to handle for Coach Davey's Fighting Irish, he reminded us of this very fact. Just find a way to beat Navy. Just find a way to beat Navy. And he barely did, but he got the job done. That has stood the test of time. Thank you, Robert. Hope you're enjoying your retirement. All right, so now let's get to the five things to know about Saturday's opponent, Navy. My serious number five is the fact that Navy enters this ball game with a record of three and six. They started the year really struggling to run the football. If Navy can't run it, oof, boy, it's going to be a long year. Navy has three wins. They have a road win against East Carolina. 23-20 in overtime. The same East Carolina team a month later would go to BYU and beat the Cougars. Navy also ran all over Tulsa, 53-21. And the midshipmen have an overtime victory over Temple, 27-20. The losses for Navy. They lost their season opener to Delaware, 14-7. They lost to Memphis, 37-13. They went to Colorado Springs to take on Air Force. The Falcons edged the Middies 13-10. Navy lost at SMU 40-34. A 38-20 home loss to Houston. And Navy lost at Cincinnati 20-10. As I mentioned, when you think of Navy, you think of their rushing attack, and they better be able to run it. They've gotten better as the season has moved along. It sounds funny to say this, but they're only ninth in the country in rushing. It's never a surprise when they're in the top five. Right now, Navy is averaging 236.9 rushing yards per game. They're led by their fullback, the old fullback dive. Daba Fofana leads the team in carries with 140. He leads them in rushing yards at 502, and he is tied for the team lead in rushing touchdowns with five. Wide receiver McQuell Haywood, second on the team in rushing, 63 carries for 406. Their quarterback, Ty Lavatai, 115 carries this year for 309 yards, only averaging 2.7 yards per carry, and he is tied with Fofana for the team lead in rushing touchdowns with five. Okay, okay, Uh, number three. Another thing to know about Saturday's opponent, let's talk about some Naval history. Famous alumni, we could spend all day on this. Let's narrow it down. When you think about astronauts, 
Tim Lovell. It is Lovell, not Lavelle, right? I'm trying to remember from the movies. I should know this. I've watched Apollo 13, but he was a part of that mission. And Alan Shepard, also a member of the United States Naval Academy. Actor, former talk show host, Montel Williams, an alumnus from the United States Naval Academy. Some pretty good football players, former BC head coach Tom O'Brien, running back Napoleon McCallum, who had a chance to win the Heisman Trophy. I guess it would have been about 25 years ago. And former New York Giants wide receiver. This guy was pesky. And he caught the deflection touchdown pass for the Giants against my Broncos in Super Bowl 22. And, of course, the greatest of them all, Roger Staubach, Heisman Trophy winner at Navy. The most famous Navy basketball player, that's easy. He was seven feet tall. His son played for Notre Dame. He used to do push-ups in the end zone on Notre Dame touchdowns. The Basketball Hall of Famer, David Robinson. Also, some people of note. John Giese, the founder of Target, Oliver North. And some politicians. Ross Perot, former presidential candidate from the United States Naval Academy. The late John McCain and former president, Jimmy Carter. Number two. As we talk more about Navy, five of the eight games played by Lavatai, he has thrown... More than 10 pass attempts. That's not a good sign when they are throwing it over 10 times in five of the games. That means they're playing from behind. They're trying to make things happen. Against Air Force, Lavatai was 11 of 20 throwing for 129. Against SMU, 9 for 21 for 138. When Navy is going well, they throw it one or two times. Otherwise... They run it until you stop them. And there have been times where Notre Dame has struggled against the United States Naval Academy. Bob Diaco did not have a defender over the center one year, and the fullback ran for like, what was it, 200 yards, setting records. They tweaked that at halftime to help out a little bit, but the damage was definitely done. Number one. And finally, just a little bit more on the Naval Academy rushing attack. I mentioned they're at 236.9 so far this year. You look at recent history, last year they were at 242 yards per game. 2021, 225. 2020, only 177 rushing yards per game. But you go back to 2019 when they won 11 games, they ran for 360 yards per ball game. Year before that, 2018, a sparkling 276. So they're probably behind pace where they want to be, but they enter this ball game rushing for 236 yards per game and this is always the game that throws off Notre Dame's rush defense numbers. Because when you take on Navy, your passing game numbers look a whole lot better on defense, but the rushing numbers always take a tad bit of a hit because they run it so much. Five things to know about Saturday's opponent, the United States Naval Academy. It's already 20 minutes after 6 o'clock. Notre Dame football recruiting talk with Mike Singer comes your way next 
on your home of the Fighting Irish in Saturday's matchup with Navy. Noon kick, 6 a.m. pregame on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Sports Beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Let's talk Notre Dame football recruiting. And to do so, we bring aboard once again Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Let's get down to business. It was a big recruiting weekend for the Fighting Irish. I mean, kind of the who's who of Notre Dame recruits were in town for the most part. What was your major takeaway from the weekend? I'm going to start off with a maybe not so glamorous positive note. The amount of big-time Notre Dame targets that ended up on campus was not – it didn't match up to maybe – um, the USC game last year or the USC game in 2019, your, your big marquee opponent of the fall um, in terms of just the amount of underclassmen targets. Typically in oc- late October, Notre Dame has its senior class wrapped up. So you're not going to have many big targets in that class, but it's the, the junior class of just littered with all these targets. Notre Dame didn't have that, um, but so that's kind of, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. That was one takeaway. But for the players who were there, you, it, there was certainly quality. And, and the most important was Peyton Bowen, who's already committed to Notre Dame. He's a five-star safety um, from Denton, Texas, Geyer High School, committed to the Irish uh, January 1st, but has visited many schools since. Notre Dame's really battling to hang on to him. Darren report even came out today he's visiting texas this weekend it's like well texas no one's even talking about for him it's been since before he committed that anyone's even mentioned the longhorns of peyton bowen now he's going to texas this weekend with his younger brothers the class of 2024 cornerback and um you know i I believe has an offer from the longhorns um but yeah so that saga keeps going on but i will say and i've reported this at balloongold.com you can find more on the website that irish sources are feeling better about Notre Dame's chances to hold on to Bowen more than ever. Hmm. Um, so take that for what it's worth. You know, it's, you know, you, you say that and you report that. And then the next day it comes out, he's visiting Texas. So it's kind of like, all right, back to square one. <laughs> like that's how I, at least I feel. But, you know, again, he, he has a younger brother. It, it, it's Dallas to Austin, I think three hours. So it, it's, it's not, you know, uh, some crazy visit they're taking. Um, but uh, I, I, that, that's a big takeaway that Notre Dame is – at, at this point, don't stress yourself out what Oklahoma and A&M reporters are saying. Notre Dame is, should be considered the team to beat for Peyton Bowen. Again, Notre Dame sources are buzzing about the Irish's chances to hold on to him. Um, so I think that's, that's definitely a good thing. And then the two other main – I mean, there's a many – I think it was like – 14 or 15 2023 commits for Notre Dame were on campus. Five of the six class of 2024 commits were on campus. And then these two main currently high school seniors who were on campus, uh, both official visits, Caleb Smith from Frisco, Texas, Reedy High School, decommitted from Texas Tech Friday. So 
so that he could take an official to Notre Dame. We've talked about this kind of official visit policy for Notre Dame that if you're an Irish commit and you take an official elsewhere, you're, you, we don't see you as a committed player anymore. Well, then for Notre Dame to say, hey, Texas Tech commit Caleb Smith, you come on an official there, it'd be kind of hypocritical, you know. Yeah. So for Smith to come up this weekend officially, he had to decommit. And he did on Friday um, uh, when he exactly told the uh, the Red Raiders staff, I, I don't know, but he announced it Friday. Um, and then, yeah, got on plane and, and had a great weekend um, at Notre Dame. So Irish look really good here. Uh, and, and Notre Dame really searched for K- uh, Khalil Barnes. Listed as a corner, Notre Dame's recruiting him as a wide receiver. He could play as a corner too, and we've talked about him, you know, in, in recent shows. And I saw him a couple weeks ago. Thought he was fantastic, both sides of the ball. I think Notre Dame made a really good move. Probably the leader in this recruitment at this point as well. Barnes being a six-one, hundred eighty-five player from the Athens, Georgia area. Someone who has known Dion Colsey, a Notre Dame receiver from that same area for him for a long time. So, really interesting. Notre Dame's got three receiver commitments. Do they end up taking five? Do they get Barnes and Smith? Taste on lines is someone we've talked about a long time. Notre Dame has went from the uh, seemingly like the leader in that recruitment to not sure. So um, kind of wild there. But Notre Dame with Bowen, Smith, Barnes, these three guys who the Irish really want in their 23 class seems to make a really strong impression on Darren. Um, and right now, crazy enough to say, I, I'd project the Irish to sign all three on, on national signing day. Call me a homer, but that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm feeling. Well, you kind of stole my thunder toward the end there. I was going to ask, can they take both Smith and Barnes? Does that make sense? And it sure sounds like it does. I mean, then you throw on Brandon Hillman, who we've talked about an athlete from Virginia who could play a receiver or running back or DB. So Notre Dame's in the business of signing good players, um, athletes to, to bolster, you know, the outside edges on, on both sides of the ball, and they think they're, they're doing that with these guys. So we'll see. We'll see. And just a comment that might lead to a comment from you on Peyton Bowen, but I don't fall into the category of a diehard recruiting fan. I don't read every piece of information that's out there and bite my fingernails. Is this guy going to come? I enjoy following it through you and through your work. Let me say this. For those people that panic every second about Peyton Bowen going somewhere else, put yourself in his shoes for a second. You're that age. You got a chance to see the country, follow your brother around. You got a chance to watch Texas and TCU from the sideline. Why wouldn't you do that? If you have communicated with Notre Dame what you're doing and they're comfortable with it, I think everybody else should be comfortable with it. Let the kid have some fun. If I was as good as he was, and I had a chance to see all these other games, Mike, and as long as I communicate with Notre Dame, I think it's a great opportunity for him. Go have fun. Two, two, school, two schools of thought. Okay. There is the, well, why did you commit that crowd? Which, sure. Yeah. But then I point to, I don't know if this is an edgy comment to make, like half of marriages end up in divorce. <laughs> and that's a pretty, that's a pretty big commitment. Don't talk to me about height. I mean, this is a game we're talking about. That's a real marriage. Yeah. So maybe that's an edgy comment. People are not going to like that. But, hey, like, let's just point fingers at ourselves on, on that. And then I will also say there is the Notre Dame fans who they're on edge about it because they know how important of a player he is. I mean, this is a five-star game changing program changing kind of player so you're on edge because you just want him so bad and you love Notre Dame football so bad um, that you're feeling so passionate about it 
um, because you just want him so badly at Notre Dame. But yeah, don't don't come after the kid. That's that's the overarching theme here. Mike Singer, Darren Fritcher with you talking Notre Dame football recruiting on WSBT Radio. Let's get into some of the details of a South Carolina Gamecock defensive back commit, Carson Hobbs. He was on the Notre Dame campus. How desperate are the Irish looking for another corner, and does he fit the mold? So he's a 2024 corner, so not desperate at all at this point. Um, so, Darren, you're a, you're a college football guy. I mean, just think about the South Carolina Gamecocks. How – without knowing their roster very well. Do you think they get many players from Ohio? I mean, just like he's, he's, he committed to South Carolina and Carson Hobbs is from Cincinnati, Archbishop Moeller. Wow. Committed to them for his junior season. And it's kind of like, that's an interesting fit. And he grew up a diehard Notre Dame fan. His dad is a big Notre Dame fan. So it's like, Darren, if Notre Dame is, is, is once Carson Hobbs in their 2024 class, I think that's where he's going to end up, just logically, right? Just That just makes sense. Then you talk to him, and, you know, he's like, told me, and, and you can find this article, blueandgold.com, he told me that, uh, you know, Notre Dame is, he, he said that the visit was a dream. And then he, he I'm not going to say it on air. You can, folks can, can you know, sign up at blueandgold.com, just $10 through the start of, uh, you know, next football season. He made a comment about how hard Notre Dame is recruiting him compared to South Carolina. So it's, I think that Notre Dame is just looking fantastic to flip him. And, um, you know, what's that 6'1", 180? I've interviewed him twice. I mean, he is just a very well-spoken young man. He seems like a very strong Notre Dame fit from that perspective. Mike Mickens is doing a really nice job. He's like – when he went on his visit, he's like, I was just so excited to talk to those coaches mm-hmm. who I've been communicating with so much on the phone or via text message. Like, um, it, it just feels like a strong um, Notre Dame fit for sure. Okay, that's definitely something to watch. Very interesting. Now let's move to the good old state of Kansas, where you don't think of a lot of big-time high school football recruits, but there is one there, and we have followed the progress of Dylan Edwards from Kansas State commit to decommitting to picking the University of Notre Dame. From there, it, it seems like every time I see a post about Dylan Edwards, he's scoring like five touchdowns in a game. When he doesn't score five, six it's like a disappointment. Right? Yeah, sir, six last week. Oh, so, yeah, maybe he would have gotten five. Would have been right. They dropped 70 points just on a whim. I mean, he was the Gatorade player of the year in Kansas in 2021. I mean, I would assume he would get it again this year. I mean, he's probably got better stats than yeah. last year, like the young man. Is simply electric. So, and I also want to throw in this was not on our topic list. Jaden Greathouse, um, a, a wide receiver from Texas, who's committed to Notre Dame, and kind of our weekly who's uh, who's coming after the Notre Dame commits segment. I mean, it's I, and this is my fourth recruiting cycle covering Notre Dame. I've never it's never been like this hmm. with other schools coming after Notre Dame's commits, and I think a large part of that. It's because Notre Dame signing the great class and other schools really want their kids. You know, I, I think that's a huge part of it. So Edwards, formerly a Kansas State commit, as you mentioned, Darren, I see you jotting down notes. I'm like, well, here comes a follow-up after this. Am I, am I right? Yeah. Well, you tease great Al, so I was kind of curious who's after him, but we'll Con- Continuing on. Yes. Uh, this is great radio. Um, but yeah, Edwards, 
was supposed to visit Notre Dame from what I was told and then ended up at Kansas State. Got that intel right before the Notre Dame game. So it's like everyone's like, oh, my gosh, we're losing our minds. I'm like, guys, calm down. I didn't even know what the deal was at that point. She's like, calm down. You know, he wasn't able to make it to Notre Dame. And uh, his buddies, Avery Johnson, a quarterback commit for Kansas State, and it was his birthday weekend. So he went over. I don't even think his, his parents didn't even go to the game. Um, and his dad played at Kansas State. Um, so there's, I'm told Notre Dame sources and co- people close to Edwards say he's totally fine. But I just want to mention because maybe you saw on Twitter that A. Edwards is at Kansas State or you saw on our message board. No concern here. I mean, maybe a little bit of concern ju- just because it's recruiting and then who the heck knows. But otherwise, um, not supposed to be any concern. And then I mentioned Peyton Bowen, Notre Dame safety commit earlier in the show, is visiting Texas this weekend. So is Jaden Greathouse from Austin, Texas. Wake, uh, excuse me, Westlake. A couple things to mention. He is from Austin, and I think all of his family is Texas fans. So it was absolutely expected that he was going to go to Texas at some point this fall. But there seems to be confidence from, like, Texas reporters that there's more to see here. Great House didn't get to go to Notre Dame for the Clemson game because of weather. Um, his flight got canceled. A lot of people's flight got canceled. Like, Bryant Young and his kid. Bryce Young, the class of 2024 defensive lineman, they were supposed to come up from North Carolina. Their flight got canceled. So, like, this is it's just happening. So, it's like, oh, he didn't go to Notre Dame. Now he's going to Texas. I, I Personally, I don't think there's a whole lot to read into here that he's going to Texas and maybe flits. I think he already picked Notre Dame over Texas once, and I don't see him, you know, changing his mind on that. But just because it is ha- – like, he is going to Texas this weekend – and Longhorns reporters do think there's more to see than me on this. I, I, I did want to mention it, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm optimistic about Notre Dame's chances here. Okay. See, I don't have to ask the question. You took there you care go. of everything. I won't, I'll stop right. taking notes. I had written down here, what do you think of the <laughs> Irish Hockey 2023 class so far? But we'll save that for another week because i got to talk about oh, – yeah. Another Bowen for a second, Drake Bowen, who's like taking out all the high school teams in my area with his yeah. Andrean football team. And let me just say this first off, just watching a little video of him, he looks like he could step on the field and help Notre Dame right now physically. I don't know about his football IQ, but physically he looks the part of a guy that could suit up and play linebacker for Notre Dame right now, and you wouldn't even blink Knowing, not knowing the fact that he's still a high school football player. Well, before we started recording, you know, we were talking about Bowen, and he's listed at six one and a half, two 233 pounds. He's about the size of Notre Dame's upperclassmen linebackers right now. Um, he's got 10 pounds on even Jack Kaiser. So it's like he, I mean, he, he is, he's looked the part since his junior season, like as someone who could be playing college ball right now. I know he's not playing – you know, a big time ball in Indiana, class two A, but you know, his schedule and the competition they play is not Indiana two A. So they they're yep. not, they went nine and three in the regular season. Yeah, they played schools with like triple, quadruple the amount of students. So here are his stats through twelve games. Hundred fifteen tackles, thirteen of those for loss, three sacks, three passes broken up, three forced fumbles, a fumble recovery, a blocked punt. That's pretty good, Darren. We can just stop there, right? No, no. No. How about he also plays on uh, on offense at running back? 157 carries for 1,104 yards, <laughs> 19 touchdowns, and he's also got nine receptions for 216 yards and three scores. 
22 touchdowns and also 115 tackles. I mean, the dude, this segment is just the Drake Bowen appreciation, <laughs> especially when we talk about, you know, the Notre Dame commits, you're making you sweat because they're visiting other schools. The face of the class committed to Notre Dame very early, you know, doesn't get a ton of fanfare right now, just outside of his outstanding high school performances. You know, we, we, we don't spend a lot of time talking about Drake Bowen. I'd also throw, um, Notre Dame defensive line commit Brennan Vernon in that category as well. But I mean, the offers I, 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 when he, before he committed to Notre Dame, Ohio state, LSU, Clemson, Oregon, I mean, just a long, long list of schools that were after him. One of my favorite recruits I've been able to interact with just how he carries himself. Um, someone who has taken up that mantle of the leader of the 2023 class. Remember, Notre Dame still doesn't have a quarterback commit in that cycle, so you have to have somebody. It's Ben Bowen, but that's not really him. Like, he's not that kind of guy who's like, yeah, like, let me get that uh, kind of spotlight. He just wants to do his, his job as a linebacker, right, just to kind of be low-key. But he knows that someone has to be that kind of face of the class, and he's stepping up and done that. Um, so kudos to you, Drake Bowen. I'm a big fan. I'm really going – he – He's the sleeper pick right now to be my, you know, that Joe Walt of this class, my favorite recruit that I'm putting my stamp of approval on. Usually I don't go for a big-time player like Bowen, but, you know, I'm just so excited about him. And he's got Great a kid. wonderful Great baseball swing, too. Yeah, I think he's going to play Irish baseball. So how about he that? Looks, he looks really good. I've seen him play. I've seen him play. He came and played in Atlanta in summer 2021. Got to see him. Good player. Good player. Yep, he's the full package. There's no doubt about that. And Andrean around here always does really good things in the state tournament, so I'm sure they're on probably the path to go deep into the tournament as one of those two-way teams. Is that how you pronounce it? I've been pronouncing it wrong this entire time for two years. I've been saying Andrean, okay? Yeah, I didn't want to correct you. I've been saying it like an idiot. I've been on your show for, what, two, three years, Darren, and you're just now letting me know I've been wrong. Thank you, Mr. Pritchett. You know, if you double my pay, I'll give you all the details you want about Andrean. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I guess we should start winding things down here as we wrap up shop on Notre Dame football recruiting talk for the week. But really, the information you need on Notre Dame football recruiting never stops at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Signing days around the corner. Yeah. Uh, that third third Wednesday in December, and it's it's going to be um, a quite the interesting stretch run. With we've talked about so many times, Notre, I mean Notre Dame has 23 commits in their cycle, but still a few more spots left and different uh, moving pieces to figure out who's the quarterback, who's the who's that fifth offensive lineman, how many more skilled players do they take? It's going to be really interesting. So go to blueandgold.com. Get all the information about our deal. It's $10 through the, through the start of the next football season. Um, so you sign up now. It costs you 10 bucks, and you get access um, through August 31st, 2023, before you have to renew. Um, I, and that $10 will uh, be worth it for just this. We posted 14 articles on Monday. Wow. That 10 bucks just covered for you Monday. I mean, that was worth it. And, and then, you, yeah, you're going to get it through the start of the next football season. So. I mean, the, the staff of Blue and Gold does an amazing job. You go to the Loose Emoji board and get fantastic interaction with thousands of Notre Dame fans. So it's definitely the place to be and would encourage folks to check it out. And just so you know, one of the notes I didn't get to, 
I was going to praise you, but you made fun of my notes, so I wasn't going to praise you, but I'll say it now. You, you were talking about Great House, and you, you said there's probably not anything to worry about, but I was reminded what you said in previous weeks. Guys like Smith and Barnes are backup plans in case one of the big three wide receivers leave the class. Now, it sounds like they're more of a priority than that now, but that still resonated that. I hate the term back. Yeah, I don't like the term backup plans. It just has a negative connotation that's, I don't think that's why Notre Dame is okay. those guys, but it's it's it it doesn't hurt. No, you know, it doesn't hurt. No. And so. now it sounds like they really like them, no matter if Jaden or anybody leaves. That they like right. these guys. So there you go. So I listen at least fifteen percent of the time. Wanted you to know. <laughs> All right. Have a good rest of the week. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Derek. That's Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Sportsbeat continues next on WSBT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. Darren Pritchett with you, 651, our sports wagering segment. It was a bad football weekend for me on the show, so I needed a bounce back Monday. Well, I got it, thankfully. Let's go through the suggestions from last night. Monday Night Football, Ravens at the Saints. I took the Ravens on the money line, and the Ravens pulled out the victory 27-13 over the Saints. Also from that Monday Night Football game, Ravens, Saints, under 47 total points at minus 110. Final score was 27-13, which equals 40, which is under 47 points. From the National Basketball Association, one night after the Bulls lost at Toronto, a close game, Raptors pulled away late. I went with the Bulls last night. Minus two and a half points against the Raptors at minus 110. Bulls took control of this game, and they walked away with a 111-97 victory. We needed the Bulls to win by at least three. They won by 14. And the fourth and final suggestion from last night, Illinois minus 29 against Eastern Illinois at minus 110. Never a doubt they won by 30, 87-57. We even hit our underdog pick, Bruins, minus one and a half goals against the Blues at plus 135. They won three to one, so we had a clean sweep. So a 4-0 start to the week. My four suggestions for tonight, Eastern Michigan, Akron, under 56 and a half total points. Eastern Michigan, poor quarterback play. Akron can't run the ball. I think they stay under the number. Ohio, Miami, Ohio playing. I've got under 51 and a half total points. Both play with a slower pace. And Miami, 8-1 and one in unders this year. They've been averaging 9.9 points under the number so far this year. So let's ride that stat. From college basketball, Purdue-Milwaukee under 145 points. And from the NHL, Blues, Flyers, they're going to go over six goals. You know what? I'm going to change that Purdue game. Hold that thought. I'm going to go to my original pick. And I'm going to go... With the matchup with Providence coming up tonight, it is Ryder plus 13. So I'm changing to Ryder plus 13 against Providence College, and we'll stick with Blues Flyers over six goals. All right, that's going to do it for Sports Beat for tonight. We've been brought to you by our good friends at Budweiser. Sorry to throw a curveball at you. I was 
trying to go between the two games, and I'm switching at the last second. Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. I should know, never to change. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area, now open for carryouts. Barnaby's, the family inn. Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. South Bend Orthopedics Team Physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. And by Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape. Must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Have a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 